you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. So I just watched The Notebook and Julia just watched this episode of Teen Wolf. So let's see how well we do this episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf. I'm so prepared. (laughs) What's pathetic is that this is the second time I've watched that particular episode of Teen Wolf and I have never seen The Notebook. It is on Netflix. Everybody, The Notebook is now on Netflix. I just realized today. I'm very excited. I feel like I've been waiting for years for it to come on Netflix. And like, not to be a basic bitch, but I am one and I love (laughs) The Notebook. I came home and the first thing that Christian said to me was, The Notebook's on Netflix. I also FaceTimed my roommate from college today and she was like, Christian, did you see The Notebook is on Netflix? (laughs) Not because she knows how much I love it, because she also loves it. Like, There's two Mm -hmm. movies that we would watch all the time together. One is The Notebook and one is Brokeback Mountain because we love being sad, I guess. Yeah, I can't relate, but yeah. yeah. Um, But yes, The Notebook is now on Netflix. I did watch this episode of Teen Wolf. I just watched The Notebook afterwards. So you're in your romantic, sappy feelings. Or not. I don't know how The Notebook ends, so... Uh, very sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> you should gotcha. watch it. I mean, everybody should watch it. Just to get just to get the cultural references, actually. Well, is that, is that where the, if you're a bird, I'm a bird yeah. comes from? Okay, see, I know that. Yeah, see, but that's like, again, if you want the cultural reference in context, you have to watch The Notebook. I love saying cultural references without knowing where they come from I, I, I can you can never be too sure because sometimes you find out it's from something bad <laughs> something bad well and then you like backpedal and you're like I'm sorry you're like sorry <laughs> I didn't know that was from Rick and Morty <laughs> I did but as I have said before I don't watch Rick and Morty I'm too pretty <laughs> anyway welcome to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast a podcast where we're probably going to talk a little bit about the notebook but mostly we're going to talk about Teen Wolf my name is Christian I'm Julia and we're ready to rock and roll. This week mm-hmm. we're discussing episode five of season two. Six. Episode six of season two. Who said five? <laughs> there was some other roommate that we have. Yeah, some other <laughs> ghost or something. <laughs> this episode is called Frenemy, and it was directed by Russell Mulcahy. And written by Jeff Davis. Oh. And Andy Cochran. But I liked this episode. It feels like we're back to form in some way. So yeah. it, maybe Jeff Davis should have had a little bit more oversight. Over the last couple, actually, last episode was good, but episode four was cool. Yeah, but this episode really moves. I think that's like the thing that recommends it moves it the and most. it shakes. Yeah, yeah. And I to the point where I was like, "Wow, I I feel like I'm like enjoying this episode." Mm-hmm. Like, and sometimes you check how far you have left, and I had like maybe three minutes, and I was like, "Oh, damn. oh yeah." I was surprised that Which it was is, like ending. Yeah, for a crazy for a show that I have seen more than once, mm-hmm. um, and it was yeah. I feel like we had fun. Uh, but before we get into that, we do have to do our recap of recap. the episode. I legitimately do not remember do, who went first. Do we have to check? Should Pause. we rock, paper, scissors instead? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, much okay. better. Ready? Well, best two out of three or, the, or one? Just one. Okay, ready. Yeah. Do you do shoot or do you do rock? I do shoot. Okay. Okay. And if you lose, you have to go first. It's not a winning going first situation, okay. right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Shoot. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I actually kind of feel like it was my turn anyway. And to yeah. be doing oh, by the way, that went um double scissors, double paper, and then rock and a scissors, and I lost. Because again, this is not a <laughs> visual medium. Yeah, we had a really great time and you just had to listen to uh us slapping our phones. Some clapping. Yeah, some good like some good asthma. Yep. Cause again, it's... we do asthma on this podcast now. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Are you ready for a one minute recap? 
Sure. Okay. No, wait. How does it start? Um, we see the camera footage. Oh, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. And it's weird because it, like, starts out in color and then goes to black and white. Very odd. I had, I feel like I had cinematography thoughts about this episode. You probably did. We'll get there. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one, go. So we see the camera footage of Jackson, like, rising as the cannibal, and then Danny, like, sends an email being like, I saw your footage, don't worry, I didn't watch it. And then we're in school the next day, and uh, Gerard is, like, trying to test Allison to see if she's still talking to Scott because people are getting very suspicious, and Lydia is still hallucinating that dude who's Peter, but also a high school student. And then um, uh, Styles and Scott are, like, trying to, to hunt down the... Oh, wait, no, 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 Styles and Scott are trying to hunt down the cannibal. They see him at the night club all the stuff happens danny gets paralyzed and then at school the next day and gerard is like taking allison's pulse like a fucking psychopath (laughs) and then like everybody's really suspicious and um uh styles kidnaps jackson because they need to convince him that he's the cannibal but then sends like a a, an inconvincing text to his parents so then the police are out looking for him and so uh styles and scott like lose the cannibal somewhere in the woods but ends up that jackson just goes to the police station and in the interim lydia is like kind of flirting with kind of getting hit on by Peter. And that is all the time we have, folks. I feel like I would have done better had I gotten the order more correct, but I also didn't think I missed that much. No, you didn't, but I legitimately was sitting here thinking, do I not remember No, it, the chronology? It was me not remembering the chronology. The chronology. Chronology. Yeah. The chronology. There's too many, word, too many ways to say that word. Too many. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm not because I gotta no. pull I gotta pull up my tiny. Yeah. Um, and your phones. Every time we sit down to do this and I'm like, oh I don't have my phone and then it takes me another five minutes for us to get started because I can't find, can't find my phone. <laughs> I always am like, okay, timer, go. And then it like says like twenty five minutes, like something from like my workout timer, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. no, not in the gym. We have one minute. Okay. Are mm-hmm. you ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Okay, so shaky cam footage of uh, Jackson waking up in the middle of the night and becoming the Kanama. Danny is um, getting ready to go to the club, and he throws his little tablet into his car, and it's locked in the trunk. And then they go to the club, um, and the Kanama's there, and Chris shoots it, but he's bulletproof, apparently, and uh, doesn't attack Gerard. And then they're in the club, the gay club, and uh, Scott and Styles are trying to help everybody, but a bunch of people get paralyzed, including Danny. And uh, then they're trying to figure out why that happened, because, like, is Jackson mad at you? They um, kidnap Jackson because they find him uh, covered in blood in the parking lot, naked. And um, Gerard is trying to figure out if Allison is lying to him. Allison's mom is at school being a substitute teacher. Lydia is trying to figure out why no one is telling her what's going on. Um, she gets another incident with hallucina- hallucination Peter and um, they're hiding in Beacon Hills Nature Preserve and Skiles thinks he's being super smart because he texted his dad well Jackson's dad being like just kidding I'm safe everything's good and um, that looked like the timer went off it did oh okay or I forgot to press start everything is not good <laughs> no I it, it looked like it went off but then it was also like one minute on the clock but I was like it went off and then you know, we'll pretend that was a minute. Uh, Somebody's going to read back and be like, actually, she had a minute and <laughs> 0.7 seconds. <laughs> if um, you were timing if, along. If you're paying that much attention, I implore you to find a new hobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we love you guys, obviously. Um, so this week, we wanted to talk about this episode through the theme of dishonesty, which is abundant through all of Teen Wolf but had particular moments of interest for different characters in this episode. Um, And this is 
kind of the beginning of everybody's dishonesty starting to bite them in the ass. Like, for real this yes. time. Yeah. Um, it's very prevalent. Everybody is dealing with lying mm-hmm. to everybody. And it's getting to the point where it's now disintegrating relationships that you kind of see are un- you think are untouchable. Mm-hmm. Like, St- Styles' dad is, like, begging him to tell the truth, and he still lies to him. And, like, that at the end of the episodes culminates in something kind of very dark. So yeah. And, um, Allison and Lydia are kind of on the fritz because can we start with Allison and Lydia? Allison specifically, I don't really understand why she doesn't tell Lydia the truth. I don't know at that point. I do not think they're protecting Lydia and not explaining the situation. You know, I think it's kind of like, in the princess bride when he's like no there's too much i must sum up like there is too you much you have made that reference i, I think the last up. three episodes but she doesn't but the thing is like she can't sum up in the episode but let's say an episode ends with her being like lydia there's something i need to tell you and starts with lydia having heard the whole like a nice episode starts with lydia having heard the whole shebang in the mm-hmm. interim i don't know i mean i feel like maybe they are trying to protect her still because her not knowing is what's keeping her out of trouble quote unquote like I suppose people aren't like the others uh, who are not the hallucination of Peter are not coming after her like she doesn't know mm-hmm. uh, and as long as she doesn't know she's safe I like I do think that Allison's afraid that if she tells Lydia Gerard will know interesting because Gerard thinks he knows everything yeah why Oh, God, he's so gross. He's so gross, and... It's funny, because you know how we kind of talk about how Peter is a charming villain, and that's kind of how he reinvites himself into the series over and over again? Yeah, because he's a fan fave. Uh, not even just that, but, like, it is his charm that makes him a fan fave. Mm-hmm. So, like, even at you know, this young, creepy Peter who is, like, stalking Lydia, if I didn't know that was Peter, I'd be like... Who's this guy who's like meeting her on her level? Which like I mm-hmm. I think I knew it was Peter even watching this the first time. Well, you were like, there's something suspicious about this yeah, boy. Yeah, be suspicious. Mm-hmm. But in the way where you're like, there's a new boy in town <laughs> and he's suspicious. And tall. not in the way where you're like, I wish this grandpa white man would stop yelling at me. Like I look at Gerard and I feel like the same feeling I get when I think about Lindsey Graham. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, right? When you put it that way. Yeah, huh? Yeah. You're like, I'm getting Mitch McConnell vibes. <laughs> oh, God, I hate him so much. I know. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably part of why we hate him is because we have all of these, like, disgusting... Disgusting old white men who are screaming on my television all in the, the time. News. Yeah. yeah. Awful. Bad. Um, but uh, back to Allison. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I didn't mean to make this a political... I mean, I'm always making everything a political statement. Mm-hmm. But back to Allison. Her dishonesty is something that is clearly wearing on her in this episode. Yeah. She's tired of not being able to tell Lydia the truth to the point where even when Lydia needs to talk to her, Allison like can't kind of stand to be in her presence anymore. She's like, I can't always be talking to you. And it's because she can't... like there is parts that she can't issue to Lydia and it's, mm-hmm. it takes so much restraint to not break into those things that like, there is a part of her that's like, it's more exhausting to talk to you than to not. Yeah. Which is a real feeling. Like you get that, you know, I can empathize with Allison certainly, but it also makes me like so sad because Lydia didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, if someone's, if someone's like, I don't need, what did Lydia say? She's like, I don't need 
uh, to hang out. I need someone to talk to. Yeah. And Allison can't do that. Yeah. It's it's really hard to watch, listen to, watch. We watch the show, we talk about it, and then people listen to us talking. No, I just, I meant, like, that's a hard thing to hear. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, because, well, and also, like, Allison is Lydia's only friend. Currently, yeah. Well, and Styles, Like, he mm-hmm. disappears. I, I want to know where they cut out that, the, what, what footage they cut out of him going to talk to her. Yeah. Because they say, oh, Styles went to go finally talk to Lydia. And then we didn't get the scene, and I was like... Huh. Where is it? Dare you? Yeah, <laughs> but Allison is she is now like being crushed under the weight of her dishonesty. She can no longer afford her friends like emotional comfort. She is being terrorized by Gerard mm-hmm. at school, and there's like so much that she can't share with every part of her life that she's being stretched thin, and it's it's really exhausting to watch and also very sad. I think that mm-hmm. there are situations where you do feel that, where, like, your friends would be like, don't tell this friend, and, you know, you can kind of keep it under wraps. Um, but it's still exhausting not to share that stuff. But this is her... This is, like, every aspect of her life is... She has to keep not touching, you know? Yeah, and I think in this episode, too, we also... Separate is the word I was looking for. <laughs> we see that she is starting to understand her dad's perspective on Jackson... Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end, like this, uh, this all culminates in Allison being like, I have to tell my dad. Yeah. And, and Styles also being like, I have to tell my dad. Mm-hmm. And Scott, to his credit, is supportive of both of those things. But you can tell that Allison is like really caught between, I'm a teenager and I don't know how to handle this, but I also know that bringing it to my dad is a huge risk. Yeah. She says something that is so rare to hear in a teen series where she's like, we're teenagers. We can't do this. Yes. Which honestly, like sometimes when you're a teenager, you're like, I'm an adult cause I'm 16. But a lot of times you're like, mom, 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 <laughs> can you come pick me up? <laughs> uh, me at 24 mom, or, yeah. mom, I need your help. Yeah. So to hear that is, um, um, and a moment of honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most kind of honest moments she has with herself in this episode, um, which I think just comes in like the weight of lying. It, it really does wear her down to the point where she has to admit to herself that she can no longer carry all of these lies with her. Like one of them has to break so that she can continue to function and like actually still help her friends. Yeah. And we don't actually see that breaking point in this episode because it kind of cuts off at that good, like, tantalizing moment before either everything is revealed or things get in the way mm-hmm. which is what happens spoilers um no 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 spoilers <laughs> um yeah allison is strugs in this episode i had something to that was say about it yeah it was really things. yeah really enlightening um yeah you you feel tremendously for her and then her mom shows up at school so she's literally being interrogated by, and it's not ju- at that point, it's not just keeping secrets. It's like actively lying to people. Yeah. And it, I mean, she, Allison is like experiencing big brother in full force. There's mm-hmm. cameras everywhere at school. Now her mother is sitting in on a class she has with Scott. She's being called into Gerard's office to get her pulse taken by her creepy, creepy grandpa. What I super don't understand. That scene made me so viscerally uncomfy. Well, it made me really uncomfortable. And also it's just like torture doesn't work. 
like the, and that is a kind of psychological torture if you tell someone that you're gonna like put you're gonna feel their pulse of course it's gonna freak them out it's the same reason why your blood pressure is actually higher at the doctor's office than it is in mm-hmm. life yeah yeah or like and I, okay here's the thing i also don't gerard is like your heartbeat went up at one particular moment i really don't think that's how that works like well, I think your I think heart starts to race, race, but it doesn't like go up and then go down. Yeah, like really fast. That's yeah, I dumb. also don't think that he could even tell that no. just by t- taking a pulse. No. Yeah, like is, when the wolves are like, I can listen to your heart. Wolves also experience the werewolves. I mean, <laughs> also are experiencing like other things that would tell you why they you might be lying. Like yeah, like you might start to sweat. And and yeah, like, yeah. So that that whole thing was just garbageage to me. He is so, like, they're trying to set him up as being this kind of all-knowing creature, and it just makes you hate him even more. Yeah, because he doesn't know shit. He doesn't know anything, but he's pretending Again, that he has he, all the like, answers. he, like, falls into, like, this weird place of, like, really ineffective psychopaths because they're not very good at, like, do- inserting themselves mm-hmm. into, like, society. Um, but while we're on the topic of Gerard, he actually does have a moment of dishonesty that I think is kind of cool if you know what's happening for the rest of the season, but I definitely went over my head the first time I watched this. Yes. So in the sort of parking lot where they're original parking, what is it? It's like, it looks kind of like it's under an, an overpass, overpass or a yeah. train. Like we, I do where not. is Beacon Hills? <laughs> where is Beacon Hills? Also like on a weird tangential side note. This is kind of when we realized that Beacon Hills is like a way bigger town than the first season suggests. There are so many gay people in that bar. I know. I, well, <laughs> Where do they all come there's from? All, I mean, there's a club and yeah. it seems like there's more than one because they go to a shitload of raves in this season. Yeah. But my point is like, I think when you have a show that is like about the supernatural and set in a really like isolated place, the local politics are often like what makes it most interesting. So like the first couple seasons of True Blood are mm-hmm. like so good because everybody in Von Tomp knows each other. Well, that's, I mean, that's what's good about Buffy too, is that it's not really about, like it gets to be about Sunnydale, but ultimately the first couple of seasons are about the high school and that's it. Yeah. So when you're expanding it so far, I'm like, yeah, of course there are werewolves. This is a big city. (laughs) Like me walking down the streets in Chicago, I'm like, that dude's a werewolf. That's okay. That's his business. There's lots of them here. There's lots of them. Somebody was like, uh, I have a friend who was telling me that they were reading this book about the Chicago Mothman. Apparently Chicago has its own Mothman. And apparently he, like, walks up and down on Lakeshore, and if you, like, are walking by Lake Michigan in the middle of the night, like, you might run into him. And she was like, philosophical question, what would you do? And I was like, like any good Midwesterner, I would smile, look at the ground, say hello, now make eye contact, and ten feet later I'd look back and be like, was that Mothman? Well, I can't bother him, this is the Midwest, and keep walking. (laughs) Yeah, well, I feel like the Midwest is a perfect place for cryptids to live, because no one's gonna bother you. No one's gonna, they might get, like, the ope smile, or a hello, but generally not eye contact. No. Like, it's funny, you know when you make eye contact with somebody in the grocery store, and you're like, sorry. Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) No, I, like, I have a sickness where I, like, have to look at people when I'm walking, because I, like, have to be constantly scanning my surroundings, and... I like try very hard not to look at people and I, I feel like people can tell that I'm trying too hard not to not look, to look at, at them. them. I just, I stare at the ground. 
I'm afraid I'm going to walk into stuff. Mm. But yeah, it is the Midwestern way. Yes. Um, but like, that's why it would be more interesting is that like, if it was a sort of situation where it was like the stakes were higher of mm-hmm. these creatures being in town. Cause again, every big city has like a paranormal activity. If you're in a small town, like the chances of paranormal activity are less. So making big yes. hills too big. I'm like, come on, make it so that's smaller. Well, they fill it with other supernatural beings and like on a more grand scale in seasons to come. Um, but that doesn't make it good. I'm, well, I'm just like the population ratio of super to non super is not correct. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Gerard. Gerard tells a significant lie in this episode and mm-hmm. it's funny because it, it, when you catch it, it's funny because you're like, he's the worst villain. But this is actually kind of an interesting moment of villainy from him where the Kanema doesn't attack him and Gerard is very calm around it. And mm-hmm. it is your first suggestion that he A, knows what the Kanema is and B, is like attempting to be its quote unquote master who if we know right now is still Matt. Yes. He um, has a plan though. He does. And when Chris asks him about it, he says it was instinct that he didn't move or like he knew what to do, which is bullshit. Bullshit. Um, I'm sure that he has heard things that Chris has never heard. And also I think very interesting and in telling that he mentions the fact that the Kanama plays by a certain set of rules. And I think he was like testing to see if that's correct. And like, you can, you can see the wheels turning mm-hmm. in his head. Like, Ooh, if I have this power, what could I do with it? Yep. And I think it's played really well, unfortunately. He gets one. <laughs> one moment. Um, another significant moment I want to talk about is in regards to dishonesty is both Styles texting Jackson's parents to tell them that he's okay, but more significantly that Jackson's parents apparently hid from him for a long time that he was adopted. They say that it was 11 years so if we're saying Jackson is 17, 18 at this time, he was six or seven when they told him, mm-hmm. which I don't really think that it's ethical to not to tell your child, to never tell your child that you like that they're adopted. They're, they're adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of my experience with working with kids, like I think the best thing to do is to tell them that they are adopted and that they are special because they were chosen and that they, you are loved equally and, let them know that it is not a bad thing or anything that separates them from the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially as Jackson is an only child, I literally do not know why they wouldn't tell him. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think it's um, different when you are the same race as your parents. Like, you don't grow up obviously knowing that there's something different yeah. about you. Like, if when, when white people adopt, like, a kid from, you know, China or, you know, some other place in the world where, like, you don't, look like your parents I think that's much easier to come to terms with than like if you look exactly like your because you yeah no no I know what you're saying I'm just thinking about my friend Sage's little brother David who is like who's adopted from Mexico but like there's not actually a big enough like difference in how they all look where it would be really significant. But David has always known that he is adopted Mm -hmm. and it like is not a huge deal. But once when David was like eight or nine, he like came into my friend Sage's room and he was crying and he was like, See, I just found out I'm adopted. And she's like, was like sobbing. And she's like, David, you've known you were adopted your whole life. And he was like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I and like just it, it it doesn't affect David knowing no. that he's and he was young at the time like it didn't it shocked him to re remember but like he had always known and I don't mm-hmm. think it's in, like you can tell them early you know yeah children are so much more understanding than people give them credit for it's like that scene in Easy A where the kid's like I'm adopted and he's like what who, who told, told you? you yeah Stanley Tucci makes everything better um, um yeah but Jackson clearly did not take that well well I also think that being an only child is difficult um, because you have the full weight of your parents' attention. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of pressure. Dude, if you make lawyer money and you only have one kid, that's unethical parenting. You <laughs> should have more than one because having siblings is what makes you a normal person. Agreed. Um, yeah, not to shit on people who don't have siblings. I'm sorry, if you don't have siblings, that's cool, but also you don't know how to share. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's really deeply sad, and it's kind of strange the way that they cut into it because Styles is like, "Look at me, I texted your dad. Aren't I so smart?" And there's kind of like a little Seinfeld, like all the Styles moments are like the Seinfeld theme. Actually, it's either the Seinfeld theme or the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme play out this entire episode, but only when Styles is talking. Yeah, and then it like cuts to the sheriff station where his dad is like. Jackson doesn't tell us I love you, which is so sad. But you're also just like, wait a minute. Oh, that's not funny. Oh. I, I I didn't have the reaction that you had to this. I was I did not feel like it was a misfired cut. It in was the just show. like it just happened so quickly that I was like, uh, huh? Um, you just made anime noises. Subscribe for more anime noises. <laughs> that being said, like I do think this episode is really well paced, so they were trying to fit it all in. Yeah. Um, so I thought, yeah. yeah. Styles' lies is, is well, actually, that, that lie is one of his least significant for this episode. The idea that Jackson hasn't been able to tell his parents that he loves them for 11 years because of that lie... Mm-hmm. And he and his dad says like we're as close as any family, which I actually don't doubt that. Like I'm sure Jackson does love his parents, but like the inability or to reckon with the fact that he it, he had experienced such a great untruth like at mm-hmm. a young age is everyone processes trauma differently, and maybe that's just how he does it. And what really strikes me is that when Allison is describing how she feels when she looks at Scott, and Lydia oh. says you uh, you know I've never had that what you have, it almost makes me wonder like. Has Jackson, no matter how much he loves Lydia, ever been able to tell her? Is that why she so. can't feel that way, though? You know, does it feel ingenuine because Jackson doesn't tell people that? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, it's kind of funny because this is reminding me a little bit of um, Gilmore Girls. Because <laughs> everything's Because, of course, Gilmore. it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that people bring up a lot on the show is the fact that they don't, they hardly ever say... I love you mm-hmm. to each other. Like this mom and this daughter. And a big plot point in season one is that Rory like is incapable of saying, I love you to her boyfriend when he says it to her. And it's not because she doesn't feel that way, but it's because she's like been raised in a world where like, she doesn't see her mom expressing that kind of affection with like other, you know, men in her life. And so like, I wonder what the dynamic is between Jackson's parents. Like, I wonder, do they not say it? to him because they're trying to like meet him where he's at like I have so many questions about their home life and like what that looks like yeah welcome to another episode of (laughs) Teen Wolf and the underserved character development (laughs) 
Honestly. Truly. Um, I just thought that was significant, but mm-hmm. while we're kind of on the topic of that lie, I think Styles' lie is one that I also... Styles' lie to his father in particular is one that I think is really significant because this is the the first place where we really see like the break between the two of them, which is kind of devastating because we we like we need Styles and his dad to be okay. We've talked ad nauseum about how much we love that dynamic. They are the best relationship in the show. I think Lyndon Ashby and Dylan O'Brien just love each other, which is the best. Their chemistry is, is so on point. It really is just, it's like watching a dad interact mm-hmm. with his son. And up until recently, rec- like recently in the show, like his dad has had enough plausible deniability in Styles that he has been able to ignore what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um... But this is one he physically can't because it comes to his attention in the form of legal action from Jackson's parents. So Styles mm-hmm. tells his dad, like, oh, we were just at the nightclub to see Danny. And then he later realizes that Styles has kidnapped Jackson from the nightclub. Yeah. And uh, what's so difficult about that is that you know that he is going to continue doing whatever he can to protect his son. But this is, like, such irrefutable proof yeah that styles has done something very illegal yeah like super okay how did they also steal the police van without anybody noticing was that explained no teen wolf fuck you um, I want like a transport van, no less. Yeah, yeah, you know what I would love is the like uh, in Star Wars when it scrolls up. Yes, the screen. The what what is yeah. it that there's a name for that thing? I, I, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, the Star Wars titles when they scroll up where it explains like whatever happened previous to whatever you're watching. I would love one of those for every episode of Teen Wolf just for like exposition. It's a title crawl. Title crawl. Yeah. yeah. If there was a title crawl for every episode of Teen Wolf just to explain the shit that you are going to miss in the episode. Yes. Although again, I guess that's our job. Yeah. Well, also there was a recap at the beginning of this. Um, That's true. I'm not looking for a recap. I'm looking for like... Because you know the circumstances. The, yeah, well, the yeah. crawl in Star Wars mm-hmm. is the what has happened in between the movies. Because you know what happened in whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that lie just it 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 hurts, especially because you know that like Styles' relationship with his father ends up being one of the biggest plot point of season six A, mm-hmm. um, and so deeply important in six B. It's crucial. It's crucial. Without it, like, the show doesn't work. And to see it splintering is like, oh, no. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was going to work. Well, and you really don't have an idea. Like, you you know that the sheriff wants to protect Styles, But when they walk into that room, you really don't have a good sense of what's going to happen to them. Yeah. Because you don't know what Jackson has said. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, to what extent he has, you know, told his dad what's happened. Like... And they don't know what the actions are going to be. Yeah. Um, because they've not thought it through. No. <laughs> At all. I mean, we know that it's a restraining order. Yes. But um, the, the crazy thing is that it's just a restraining order. Like It should be more It should that. be more. And I think that Styles' dad is a big part in that. And I also think that probably like there is a part of Jackson's dad that's like, this is teen hijinks, you know? It's yeah. not worth my time to sue these people who don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, it's it's very complicated. Uh, and as far as like relationship with parents go, Scott is also a big fat liar in this episode, starring Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes. Um, How'd they get Paul Giamatti in that movie? <laughs> I don't... My mom went to school with him. Really? Yeah, he went to Choate. 
Was he your, like your your mom went to Chode? Hmm? I know a lot of people who went to Chode. Yeah. Huh. M- Morgan. More. Yeah. My yeah. buddy. Yeah. Hillary Knight. Uh, Chode's great school. Yeah. Um, how did they get Paul Giamatti in that movie? It's a great yeah, question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Scott, big fat liar to Mama McCall, who is like, did they just not have enough material or like they didn't have enough time to really put Melissa Ponzio in this episode because I feel like Scott failing two classes is a much bigger deal than her cornering him for two minutes in the hospital. Yeah. If I, if, if air, my parents ever got a call from school, which I don't think they did past my middle school Saturday schools, which we have discussed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would have gotten my ass handed to me. Yeah. Oh, I would have been in. And she makes some comment where she's like, I can't always be bad mom, which is like your kids failing two classes. I think bad mom comes out. Well, and, like, if your kid is failing two classes, there should be some kind of system in place where you, like, watch him study for two hours or He's like, I'm going to go study with Styles, And she's like, cool. Styles doesn't need to study. He's just going to distract Scott. Yeah. And she knows that. She just, well, I mean, she is a single parent and she is a nurse. Those are crazy hours. But I feel... Literally, I'd be like, sit your ass down in the waiting room and study. Exactly. Yeah. I would have been dragged to wherever my parent was. Yep. Yeah. And been like, if, uh, if I come back out here in 20 minutes and you're like, you haven't completed your worksheet, I'm going to smack you. Yeah. 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 Um, I I feel like that's how most parents are. Like mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I haven't had need to needed to have anybody watch me do my homework in a while, but even when like my little cousin, like little, she's in high school. Even when my cousin Evie is like at my house, her mom will be like, sit at the kitchen counter and you, I will watch you do your homework. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yep, that's how it happens. Evie has perfect grades and her mom is like, I'm going to watch you do your homework. Yeah, well, because you want to know that someone is going to hold them accountable. And like Scott doesn't really have anyone holding him accountable. I feel like they do, ma- they make a comment about him not having a quote unquote male role model later in the show. Mm-hmm. Which is stupid. It like, is bad. But I mean, and then I, Raphael comes to town. Like I think Melissa's doing a fantastic job. But I do think like when you, when you work those crazy hours and you're a single parent, like things. No, I think Melissa through. is doing a good job. Yeah. I think the writers are doing a bad job. Yeah, because they don't understand moms. They don't understand moms. <laughs> yeah, like they again, writers do not understand women at all. Jeff Speaking Davis. of women, should we talk about Lydia for a little bit? Oh. Lydia is the person in this episode most affected by dishonesty, which we talked about when we talked about Allison, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And she's also literally going back shit crazy. So, like, there's that whole thing. Lydia is so, so smart. Like, Lydia She speaks is, archaic Latin. Yeah. Like, but not only is she intellectual, like, actually very smart in, in, like, a book sense, but I think Lydia is also very emotionally intelligent. Like, she might not behave as though she is but she knows what's happening around her. Yes. She can tell that people are lying to her. Totally. And what's interesting, I think we've gotten to the point where Lydia has been through a lot. Like, a lot. And Lydia fulfills the Cordelia role of Buffy, like, the hot, mean girl. And Cordelia is not as smart as Lydia is. But, like... I weirdly thought you were going to say King Lear. No, no. No, she's not the Cordelia. Oh. 
No, she's, she's not, not the Cordelia in Taylor. Um, no, but that'd be. But she's also not either of the other sisters. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, ahead. also Teen Wolf is in King Lear. Like we no. could probably talk about many other Shakespeare. Yeah. Oh my god, dumbass theater school brain was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, King Lear. <laughs> um, well, no, I think there's a lot of like echoes in this to Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so like at a certain point, I do think that Lydia has been pushed enough that if I were her, I would be asking questions and I wouldn't be letting people off the hook because she really just lets Allison, like, go. Well, I also think Lydia is being gaslit from every direction. Every angle, yes. And it's to the point where it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, no, sis, no. Also, there were so many points in this episode where it could have passed the Bechdel test and then it didn't because the Mm -hmm. conversation ended up revolving around Scott, which was annoying. You know, what... uh, Going back to Allison really quickly, okay. Um, where the conversation is revolving around Scott. Actually, you know what? We can do this in observations. Never mind. Um, well, no, make it now because you said it. When she says to Lydia, um, "He, you know, he's not just my boyfriend, right? You get that." I mm-hmm. really thought it was going to be like this deep. He's my best friend, and he's going through a lot right now, and I have a moral obligation to help him. But instead, it was like he's my one true love, and I was like. That's not as interesting. It was as it like you been. know what I really wanted to be. Hmm. I wanted her to be like he is not just my boyfriend. He is going like I know you can't understand this at this time, but like he is trying to save everybody. Like he's uh, there is something greater than me and him. Yeah, which is a way more interesting thing than her being like I love him so much. Which, exactly. Like, their love story is obviously very compelling. Why are we all here? But that particular conversation was again men. Ugh. It's big. Well, it's bigger than them, and I also think that Allison knows that. Yes. So the fact that that was where the conversation went, I was just like, ugh. ugh. Okay. Um, it was on the precipice of it greatness. Was. But back to Lydia. So she's being gaslit from every direction, which is just the worst to watch. Um, so not only is she already hallucinating, experiencing like great mental distress, she's also now having people invalidating the way she feels in that conversation with Allison, where she's like, I can't talk to you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lydia is clinging for any sense of honesty any kind of you know compassion from anybody and what ends up happening is she falls into peter's trap again because he's the only one who's offered her any kind of like compassion in any way like Mm -hmm. to the point where it seems radical to her that he is giving her that flower and telling her to take care of it which is kind of a creepy gesture but she's like no one else has given me a flower today yeah well and he's like i'll ask you about it tomorrow and she's like Oh, you'll talk to me tomorrow? Yeah. Crazy. There's somebody offering her support, which is a really annoying thing that we didn't get that conversation with Styles because I wanted to know how it would go. Because mm-hmm. did she slam the door on him and say, no, you lost your chance? Or was he just like Allison and not able to listen? Or making up more lies because she would probably ask him about what's happening and he would lie again. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to watch. It's unsettling. She doesn't have anyone reassuring her. No. Which is what she really needs. Don't and we then, all need it? Like, you know, what makes that particularly awful is that Allison is so unwilling to talk to her about all this stuff and bring her into the fold. But as soon as Lydia's like, I speak archaic Latin, she's useful. Because uh, people just only want uh, things from women when they are useful. Yeah. I would like an unuseful woman to be the star of a show. <laughs> I guess that's Fleabag, actually. Yeah. But Everybody watch Fleabag if you haven't If already. you haven't watched it. We just saw the uh, National Theater Live production of it. 
interest. It was very interesting. If you guys ever get a chance, please do it. If you can see any national theater live, go do it because mm-hmm. it's hard to see live theater because it has become the art of the elite. Inaccessible. Inaccessible. Yeah. That's a different podcast. <laughs> is it though? No. We're talking about art. Everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. Uh, it's our podcast. And that's why every Broadway show should be filmed, recorded, and available for streaming. Well, it is. It's just kept in a library. Is that available that... for streaming? No. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know if I have any other topics, anything to touch on in the topic of dishonesty. Do you have anything you want to cover before we move into Q's and O's? Not really. I mean, I think everybody is... This episode was a little straightforward. Yeah. Well, and also, we, Derek was not in it at all, except to, like, glow his eyes and growl at people. Um, you barely had any interaction from, like, Chris. Yeah. Um, the, other, the baby werewolves were nowhere to be seen. Um, so it was very... Like, there were so few players involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that there weren't a lot of dynamics to be exploring. Mm-hmm. But that's good. Simplicity yeah. is good. Yeah, this is less about soccer and more about tennis in this very episode. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. So I'm usually like 100% a more is more person, but like less is sometimes more. Well, I, we both said that this was well paced and mm-hmm. intriguing, and like we had all, all of these plot lines running together well, and it's because we weren't trying to fit in eight of them. We had four. Yes. Um. Anyway, mm-hmm. I think we can move into Q's nose. I'm going to be honest, I don't have any questions. I have one question. Okay, hit me. When Allison is talking about how she feels about Scott, and she's like, you can't breathe until he's down the hallway. Um, that was lame. Yeah, it was super lame. But, you know, Alice, Allison's like having this moment where she's talking about how she feels about Scott. And we've talked before about how... Um, Jackson and Lydia love each other, but then Lydia says she's never felt that way. Like, do you think she's being honest? That's my question. Do you think that's an honest response from her? Well, what the crazy thing that Allison is describing is more what I would in line with, like the honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. That feels like new relationship stuff. I mean, you should look at your partner and like have your breath taken away, but her whole like obsessive compulsive deal with it is like. That feels very newly in love. Where Lydia and Jackson have been together for like a long ass time. So it, let's say they got together freshman year. That's definitely how it felt the first couple of months, like Scott mm-hmm. and Allison. But maybe she can't touch into that feeling anymore, especially because things have gone so sour. Where she's like, I don't even remember those good times. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I just thought it was kind of strange following um, the scene between Lydia and Jackson in the previous episode where we really get a sense about how much she cares about him and she's like, I, I wish I hated you, but I don't. Yeah. And the subtext of that is, I don't hate you because I love you. Yeah. And so it just kind of felt a little off to me and I think that that could have been a good moment where Lydia could have said, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. And I think that would have been more surprising. I think it would have been more surprising and more interesting. It was, I, but I also think that the way that Allison is talking about Scott doesn't beget her to say that. Yeah. Um, because it's, again, it sounds, it sounds like, it sounds like the male idea of how they want women to feel about <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it just struck me as odd in comparison to the last scene that we had. I agree but, with that one. Yeah, that was really, that was my real 
Oh, why doesn't Jackson believe Styles? Um, Werewolves are real. He got bitten and he didn't die. Well, it, well, it, well, and to, but, to believe to believe Styles is to admit to murder. Yeah, but and he also thinks that nothing has happened to him, and he's got no reason to suspect because his symptoms. He doesn't notice his own symptoms until he's sitting in that van. That's true. It just, it's one of those things where it's like, how could you possibly not believe this when you've been exposed to all this other shit? But I mean. But also Jackson is like a ding dong who's like desperately obsessed with himself. So he's like, who, me? No. Denial is uh, long and deep. So. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Those are my questions. Mm -hmm. More like musings than actual questions. Cool. What are some of your O's? Uh, Okay. The. like the comedic timing in this episode by Dylan O'Brien unbelievable when Scott breaks the door behind him while he's like monologuing about how they're supposed to get into the nightclub when he's surrounded by the drag queens when he's like oh rum and coke like yeah like Styles is so funny in this episode we also get those this is one of these episodes where I realized that like all of those gift sets I've seen of Dylan O'Brien's hands come from Mm. the man has beautiful hands uh, which was a focus point of, like, early Tumblr. I remember my early Tumblr days, not early Tumblr. Yeah. Uh, and he does, like, he puts his hands out in the back of the van, and I was like, well, I've seen that gif. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, Dylan O'Brien was an all-star this episode. So funny. Really loved it. And I love that the drag queens come back in the party episode. Yes. Good follow-through, Teen Wolf. God, I, God, I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, can't wait for the party episode. Yeah. Oh, wait, speaking of the nightclub, Mm -hmm. this was my favorite observation I made. Uh, When Scott punches Jackson in the back of the truck, in the back of the Jeep, his head went the wrong way. (laughs) I did not even notice that. (laughs) I was like, huh? And then I was like, oh, he turned his head the wrong way when he did his, uh, when he did his, like, reaction. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Okay, as somebody who spent a lot of time in stage combat classes, it happens all the time, and sometimes (laughs) you don't notice, but sometimes you do, and you're like, wait a second. Interesting. Yeah. Any more? Oh, uh, well, I'll let you do, and then I'll go some more. Oh, I actually had a lot of... I, I had way more thoughts than I thought I did. Um, Want to call out the extremely awful Can't I Be Strong and Go to Prom line? Oh, I actually wrote that down because I it has an idea that I want to talk about in it. Um, Well, I think sentiment, lovely. You should have just used homecoming. Yes. Or like the winter formal. Can I be strong and go to the winter formal? Can I be strong and go to prom? Well, prom is the next dance. They already had the winter formal. I know, but it's like, just d- pick pick a different word. No, no, no. You in- know what it reminds me of? Hmm. In um, Stick It, when Joanne is trying to tell her mom that she's going to prom and her mom is taking her out of uh, the Vickerman gymnastics place. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you are going to be an Olympian. And Joanne is like, actually, I'm going to go to prom first. Like, prom does suck yes <laughs> but like there is a sort of rite of passageness to it and it is less about going to prom as much as it is as it is about establishing like high school normalcy and that's what allison wants it's not oh, about yeah. being prom queen no it, okay so my my issue with that was not at all about the sentiment i loved it i thought it was super appropriate it just it rhymed oh okay and she said it with a straight face it, and i was like it didn't Shh. rhyme it has assonance it's just it sounded horrible all right coming from her um, Sorry, Crystal Reed. It would have sounded bad coming on, from on anybody. All right. <laughs> um, actually, something that I kind of 
this isn't like a one-off observation. I think that we talk a lot about Scott's emotional intelligence, but this is a really excellent um, example in this episode of his emotional intelligence going head to head with Styles's logical intelligence because they're trying to figure out what to do with Jackson. And Styles is very much for, let's tell my dad, let's tell the Argents, we don't know how to handle this. Like he's killed people. He is a killing machine. And Styles is the one sitting there being like, that is not the read that I got off of him based on like everything that he's done and his body language, etc. And so like his observations of Jackson emotionally are bringing him to completely different conclusions than Styles' pure analytical point mm-hmm. of view, which I just think is fascinating. It is. And it shows one of his real strengths, which, you know, we spend a lot of time on this podcast being like, her to Scott's a dumb dumb. But like, he's very smart. He just is smart in a totally different way. Totally different way, way than Styles. Mm-hmm. Styles is like what we might say, like, is traditionally smart. Yeah. Um, which is an annoying way of thinking of that because everybody like there's however many like you know nine spheres of like intelligence and every everybody operates like three or more or mm-hmm. whatever um yeah that's i think that that is a good observation i i agree with that being a, a point in the of of contention in this episode uh i have um a thought mm-hmm. about um one it is completely unshocking that gerard is into military history because that's fascist behavior um, every, and every old white man loves World War II, we've discussed. I, yeah, ugh. Um, I feel like Lydia's McMansion is more tasteful than the Argents. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, also, the thing at the end, It which, also doesn't, it's not really a McMansion. No. It's a little bit, it's older. Yeah. It has. There's vines. There's, there's architecture involved. Yeah. Um, uh okay so this is at the end of the episode and this is kind of a trite thing that happens in a lot of teen media but it's also a trope that i kind of love which is when there's like a sex scene that's interspliced with something crazy happening in the background i do love that i I love it and everything i'm like yes yeah bring it on well because you know sex brings disaster well it's just kind of the idea that the world falls apart while you're busy yeah getting busy (laughs) Uh Uh and i always think that that's fun especially in teen wolf Yes. Um, Jimmy, uh, can we talk about Danny for a second? I don't have any deep observations. I do like when he's like, well, Jackson's always kind of a four on That the was anger really scale. funny. Mostly just because you know when you have your friends that you always make excuses for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yep. Checks out. Um, yep. I wish we had known more about Danny and his boyfriend breaking up. Yeah, it was really out of, not out of left field, but it was like, you could have dropped that several episodes ago. Uh-huh. Maybe just, maybe just a fight, it. maybe just a, a conversation that we overhear of Danny on the phone fighting with somebody or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, not it just like felt cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Love that somebody buys Scott a drink because it reflects back to Styles being like, "Am I not attractive to gay guys?" <laughs> also, you are the prettiest girl. Scott is the prettiest girl. He is the hot He's girl. The hot is that girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for Isaac. Yeah. Anyway, I, everything that happens in the gay club both feels so obscenely gratuitous, but I'm also like, I'm here for a good time. I'm, I'm ready for I'm it. I'm like, this looks like a Friday night in Ann Arbor. I'm down. Um, well, what I love about the club scene, I think there were two. Also, it's called Jungle. What a lame and easy grab at a gay club name. Yes. There were two moments in this episode that were 
from my perspective, really referencing other things like Lydia taking her dog Prada, her dog out um, by the pool and then him coming in. That felt very like a reference to the opening of Scream. I was going to say that it was Scream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with like the pool reflection and like someone coming out of the darkness. Um, yeah. So that I really loved. And also um, they have, they've done a really good job of like making their own identity of a teen supernatural show. But one of the staples of Buffy is the bronze, the club that all of the high schoolers go to in the vampires frequent because it's where they can pick up, uh, you know, victims and yes, Fantasia <laughs> in True Blood. Yeah. Um, so I did love like the fact that there's a club in Beacon Hills because it felt very like, Oh, well we're, we're paying homage to the teen supernatural dramas that have come before us. Mm-hmm. And like the bronze becomes less and less important as Buffy goes on, but it's still like, there's these iconic moments mm-hmm. in the club. Um, and they kind of continue that, not with that specific club, but with, like, club atmospheres in, in Teen, Teen Wolf. Wolf. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit like Gossip Girl, where, like, in every episode there is, like, a party where something happens, and it is because it is happening in an environment where you can't hear everything, and it's loud, mm-hmm. and you're losing people in the crowd. Like, that is what incites so much of the drama. So when we see some of that in Teen Wolf, it is very fun. Except in Gossip Girl, it's, like, the haughty-tottiest, <laughs> like, yeah. rich people places ever, which is also what makes that fun yeah 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 i i really enjoyed this episode oh the armani joke came back it wasn't even a joke it was like it it was a joke the first time he said it but now what that actually kind of was like oh like scott like has saved danny's smell in his son's memory as like Mm -hmm. one of his friends and registers that danny told him what that smell is is armani and he's like danny's smell is armani Scott Which is, is like really pure, pure, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Um, I mentioned my thing. There were so many opportunities for this show to pass the, this episode to pass the Bechtel test, and it couldn't do it any of those times. Nope. I was like, there's a conversation between Allison and Lydia at the beginning, and one at the end, and one between her and her mom, and I was like, yes, women talking, and then they all ended up talking about Scott. Yeah. Well, the thing about her conversation with her mom is like, is that her rem- mom is fucking crazy? Which is like, remember. If you don't do what we say, we're going to fucking murder your boyfriend. What? I know. She is so gung-ho to slit Scott's throat. And I'm just like, you're a mother. Does she die in the next episode? No. Because her death is what makes Allison turn sides, you know? She dies. Doesn't she die in the episode where she tries to tell us kill Scott? Or like right she after does. that? She does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're right. Derek bites her when he's saving. Is the next episode Lydia's party? I don't think so. I think so because Peter gave her the wolf span. Yeah. Oh, oh. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's okay. Lydia's party and and the episode where uh, uh, Allison's mom tries to kill Scott are like my faves of season two. So I, I'm excited for them. Although I was really thought that the episode in the pool was one of my faves of season two, and then after we talked about it, I was like, Wait. oh, no, so those I hope scenes we don't are really good. Them. You know, yeah, it's the like scenes are good because you're like, ooh, it's cerulean. <laughs> The yes. whole time you're like, that's very blue. I'm very into it. Yeah. My uh, my human evolutionary senses are really into this scene. Yeah. My my monkey brain is like, water, good for you. <laughs> uh, do you have any more observations? Um, there, this is probably something uh, that I noticed that might not be funny to other people, but they're in the car and they're like, 
coming up with their plan about what to do with Jackson. And there's music playing, but it's also playing in such a way that it sounds like it's on the radio. So the concept of them just like driving around listening to the radio with Jackson unconscious in the back seat, arguing over what they're going to do with him. Like, I just find that so incredibly funny because that whole joke about like, I have to turn down the music so I can see better. That's real. Dude. Yeah, it is. And so the fact that they're like just casually bopping around with the radio on, I thought that was really funny. Um, that was good. We talked a lot about that in one of my film classes in school about like how, uh, music coming from an, like an anonymous source, like just like soundtrack music will tell you how to, what you're feeling in the scene, but music coming from a source in the scene tells you how you feel about the scene or like Mm -hmm. how it feels in the scene. So when you're in, like when you're listening to the radio in a scene, there is a sense where you're kind of sit like when you know that the music is coming from the car radio, you can more picture yourself in the car listening to that conversation as opposed Mm -hmm. to somebody telling you how to feel about the conversation, which I always think is a good um, kind of, especially in a show that encompasses so much music is very good in dif- in like to differentiate those two things. And then the music comes back in one of the more egregious ads in Teen Wolf. They do. I, and you know, what's the annoying about that is that for the most part, I think Teen Wolf does an excellent job using music to guide the viewers feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that Pandora ad was so horrible. bad. Speaking of which, should we get in fact stats? Yes, they were, Crazy. They were abundant, but I didn't write them down, so go for we it. We had five eyes. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and all different types. We saw alpha eyes. We saw Scott's eyes. We saw the, the Canama eyes. eyes. Yep. Um, we haven't seen any claws. blue eyes in a while. I kind of miss them. No. Um, yeah, the bright, the ice blue. Um, two claws. Once um, in like the kind of flashing strobe lighty, you see the Canama's claws like reaching around mm-hmm. to people. And then Scott does his whole like, what are you going to do? Flicks out his claws. And then Styles is like, cool, great, good, works for me. Um, Shirts are incountable in this episode because again, a lot of it took place in a game. Oh, club. I got to 11 and I was like, I give up. So we're, uh, Jackson is shirtless for most of the episode and the first part of this episode is in a gay club. So we're just going to go on the infinity symbol for that <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and then the ads, here's the thing. I'm like so bad at noticing the ads, except when she's like, use the Intune. It has Pandora. Pandora. First of all, never heard of Intune, but I assume it's a real thing because otherwise, why would they say it like that? I, I What I assume is, is that it's like an Apple CarPlay for people who aren't using Apple CarPlay, like a pre sort of deal like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and it's like, man, Pandora used to be the shit, and then Spotify came along. Pandora is for retail workers and retail workers only, even though now, now it's Spotify. Yeah. Um, so yeah, egregious. Absolutely insane. Like, like you think we were going to notice? Come on. Be subtle. I would be, I'd be like, oh, Pandora, you know, if they were just using it. I'd be like, I used to use that. Yeah. Literally all she had to say was like, oh, just put on the Pandora. Yeah. No, like it was just so, I, poor Crystal Reed had like the worst things to say in this episode and you were just like, Michigan queen, Crystal Reed. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's it for the pack sets, yeah? Yeah. Do you have an alpha of the week? Um, it's really hard. I feel like my alpha of the week <laughs> is Styles. I feel like I want to give it to Lydia out of, like, strange pity. What? Oh, no, I just had an observation that, like, really struck me. Um, that... No, just say it. Jackson cries. Jackson does cry. I wrote manful tears and forgot what I was talking about. Oh, but, like, 
having okay i it is one thing to like have a close-up on his face and have his eyes be watering and it is another thing entirely for him to like shed a single tear oh single tearing it I, every time somebody does that i just picture jk simmons being like are you one of those single tear guys from whiplash i literally wrote in my notes jackson crying is ellipses a choice. A choice. No, I think it's appropriate because what they're saying is very emotionally raw. That's when Scott is like, well, I had people to help me. Jackson has no one. Yeah. Which oh, is it's horrible. Which is a devastating thought. It's like, you know what actually it reminded me of is that scene in Parasite where he like holds his nose and that's like what puts the dad over the edge. Yeah. Um, because it's like, oh, can't, I can't stand to hear that said about me, the person. Um uh, mm-hmm. But I just felt like it was it was too much or too little, and I can't tell which. I liked it. I don't know. I did write manful tears. I guess I don't know how I was feeling when I wrote that. I maybe I, sarcastic because I wrote manful tears. But. I just wish that there had been like a little more expression on Colton Haynes's face. But um, anyway, Styles. Styles, Styles is my of the week, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm still going to give to Lydia because I think she is probably the one who deserved the crying scene and didn't get it because mm-hmm. she has to be strong as a woman and everybody was shitty to her in this episode. And I love Lydia. Amen. So I think that about wraps it up for this episode. A um, little bit of housekeeping. We appeared on the most recent episode of the Phantom Bell podcast talking about the history of the Teen Wolf fandom. Uh, a lot of it was news to the two of us, so we had a really fun time recording that. Um, yes. Please give them some love. Uh, we are doing officially our new segment on Twitter, where we are going to post your Wolf of the Week. So and if you, Instagram. And Instagram. If you send us a picture of your pet, it can be any type of wolf, a cat, a lizard, a dog, we will make sure that they get a spot on our Twitter and our Instagram to be our Wolf of the Week. Just DM us. Um, it's been so fun. We've gotten so many cute pictures so far, so I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter or submit your pet on twitter obviously you can follow us at teen wolf underscore rewolf which is also our instagram handle we're on tumblr at teen wolf rewolf and you can follow both of our personal twitters and instagrams from there do it do it i'm so funny (laughs) (laughs) it's it's true thanks yeah i'm a good tweeter yeah thanks um you are too oh thank you other than that do we have anything else um, I don't personally I don't have any big news. Oh, we'll be releasing another bonus episode next week. Uh, we're going to be doing Disney's miracle, which is about the miracle on ice, which is experiencing its 40th anniversary coming up. It's the only time I ever feel patriotic these days is watching this movie. Yeah. Very excited to talk about it. We will cry. We will. Maybe not on the podcast, but while we're watching it for yeah. sure. So yeah. be on the lookout. Did you know that Kurt Russell did sky high and miracle within a year of each other? America's dad. America's dad. Pick up that Disney money, Kurt Russell. <laughs> I adore him to pieces. Yep. Sky High, another classic. Un classique. Yeah. Hmm. It's great. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in there. Did anyone in that movie ever do anything after Sky High? Mary Elizabeth Kurt- Winstead. Yeah, but like besides that. Well, uh, the, the Panna Baker sister, I do not remember which one it was, did a bunch of CW stuff. Yeah, and Nick Braun is in succession. The kid who glows is in succession. The fire guy? The kid who glows. Oh. He's in succession. Good for And him. he was also in Perks Being a Wallflower. Huh. I am truly my own IMDb. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but I'm always like, that kid from that thing is also in this other thing. A well of knowledge. Yeah, although I didn't know his name was Nick Braun. Um, hit me up for more movie trivia questions. Other than that, we love you guys, and we hope you have a wolf of a week. Oh. Oh.